0: So as an artist, it doesn't matter if you're a filmmaker, a, a drawer, a painter, it doesn't matter. You know, there's always going to be somebody out there that's looking forward to what Griffin Walsh is doing next. As long as you do it for them, bro, and mainly yourself first, but then do it for them, you're going to be successful. Success is not measured by how many Facebook likes you have. Success is not measured by how many Facebook friends you have or how many followers you have. It truly isn't. It's measured by how much you smile every day and love what you're doing.
1: listening to an actor and a mic a podcast focused on the often tumultuous but spectacular journeys of australian artists and what a tumultuous time it has been for um well everyone not just artists but still it's been a pretty rough time for artists with cancellations and self-isolations and that kind of thing i know a few friends of mine have lost quite a lot of money with the cancellation of the melbourne comedy festival when it comes to the self-isolation stuff uh which I hope you're doing, by the way, Um, Flatten the Curve and all that kind of responsible human stuff. But mainly, I hope you're all staying safe out there. Um, And and now that you are self-isolating, you have more time to listen to podcasts. (laughs) Um, I'm Griffin Walsh, and coming up today in episode three is my interview with Chris Sun, an Australian director and writer with a filmography of four feature-length films. In this interview we discuss his passions for horror and gore and how he jumped straight into filmmaking with no prior experience we also discuss chris's belief that australian cinemas need to do more for indie productions and the industry as a whole one more thing before we get started if at any point you don't understand chris's or my own references uh, they all center around his movies like within the first minute Uh, Chris references Killing Me, Uh, he's not actually talking about Killing Me, he's talking about his movie Boar, which I had the privilege of being a part of. I think he also references Charlie at some point in reference to Charlie's Farm, his third film. I hope all is well, and I'll let you get into the interview. Welcome to episode three of An Actor and a Mic. My name's Griffin Walsh, and today I have the privilege of being joined by prominent Australian director and writer of screenplays and a book, Chris Sun. How are you this morning, Chris? I'm, I'm good, Champion. How are you going? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I mean, it's a little hot because we've both turned our fans off to record this, so we'll see how <laughs> that goes. It's been a while since I tried to kill you,
0: so, <laughs> you know, and I let you live. You know, so yeah. you're thankful for that. I let you live. You know, you got to take on a big beast and survive. So, uh, I think this should be a walk in the park for us, mate.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, yeah, it's it's certainly no big pig for sure. Well, we'll see. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah. So today's interview is all about getting to know you and your journey. Uh, I want to know how you started in film and sort of how you progressed. So, I, I want to talk about slaughter FX's sort of humble beginnings and what your original intention was uh, upon creating the company.
0: All right. Well, look, I guess, you know, if we go back about 10 years, you know, I had a a horror store. Um, You know, we used to have a horror museum upstairs from the shop. So I've always had a love for horror ever since I was a little kid. It's just been horror, horror, blood and guts. I've never been big into, like, ghosts and, I mean, ghost movies and stuff like that. So I've always loved the gore. So Mm -hmm. I set up my original shop was called Aussie Gore. And then later on, we changed the name to, to Slaughter FX. But from there, as I said, I had a horror museum upstairs. And that's when I met Steve Boyle. Now, Steve Boyle is one of my heroes in the special effects world. He's worked on all my films with me. Um, the guy's just an, an amazing, talented FX artist. And from there, you know, he started you know, giving me a few tips on, you know, it's pretty easy to do stuff. Well, it's not easy, but it's not as hard as what people think if you've got a little bit of artistic talent you know, you can you know, create your own special effects and own props. So I started making some props from a store, little, you know, severed arms and little, I remember <clears> the, like little fountain things that, you know, water would pump through them and blood would spurt out. And I thought I was really cool. Nice. But, you know, <laughs> people were buying them and stuff like that. But then I met these couple of lads that were making this little zombie film. And um, I remember sitting down talking to them one night and uh, while well, sleeping in my, in my, um, uh, in my haunted house that I had because Hmm. everybody said that the place was truly haunted. So I thought I'd stay there overnight and see if I could capture some ghosts on camera. This is back like Facebook was literally, you know, for me it was fresh and new. Um, I think MySpace was still rocking at this time, you know. (laughs) Wow. These guys come to visit me, and I was really intrigued because they were telling me how they were making the zombie movie. These are only young guys, young Sunny Coast guys. And, you know, they're making the zombie movie and all this stuff. And I thought, fuck, you know, that would be so cool. And, uh, and I said, Well, what, what do you got to do to make a movie? And they're like, Well, you got to write a script. And I thought, Well, I can do that. So I'd never written anything in my life. I never even read a book. So the the only thing I'd ever written, I think I was in grade one or two, was called The Killer Worm. <laughs> wow. wow. True story. Yeah. Which is quite, I, I still to this day, I think tremors ripped me off. But anyway, <laughs> 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 we know yeah. they didn't, but I'm going to say they did because fuck it. But um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you fast forward, you know, like 30 odd years, you know, longer than that. And I'm saying to these guys, and they're like, oh, it's, you know, Chris, it's, it's not as easy as that, man. You know, you got to – and I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this, and, you know, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to write a script. I didn't know what program to use. So even for your listeners out there, you don't have to go and buy the big programs. You have to do anything. I just opened up Microsoft Word, and I just let the sh** dribble out of me. I just started writing.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, and it's like I, I knew that I wanted to have a story about, you know, four girls that go out partying, and they get picked up by the wrong crowd. Uh, and a and, you know, bad shit happens to him. It was an ospoitation film. It was, it was a rough film, but I, you know, it was my first time. So then, what happened is I put a post up saying that I'm writing this story because I still didn't, I didn't know what, I didn't know what you needed to make a movie. I had no idea. Wow. You know, uh, actors, producers, I knew nothing. I was great at watching horror movies, but I never knew yeah. how they were made. I mean, you go okay. back, you know, go back ten, fifteen years, you know, even longer. You never saw makings of movies. It was really rare to get special now you see all that all the time yeah you know you can go on the internet and you can see behind the scenes of a movie or something like that so for me i mean only going back 10 years but i had no idea then i Mm. met this one chick named abby and she said hey i'd love to help you make the movie she was an indie producer and she was the first person i'll never forget it ever to call me a director oh wow yeah yeah abby sheather she was the very first person to say you're a movie director and You know what, dude? I've made four films now, and I'm still learning. So I don't still class myself. I don't go out of my way to say to people, I'm a movie director or any of that stuff. But I definitely learn a lot. And Come and Get Me was the perfect example of, you know what, just saying, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to believe in myself. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to sell some stuff to make this movie, and I'm going to make it. You know, I'm going to, we had people come on deferred. We had people come on for a couple of bucks. We had people come on just because they wanted to be involved and make a movie. And that's, you know, for your listeners out there, man, it truly is just about saying, I'm going to have a go. It doesn't matter what, if your family says, no, no, don't do that. It's bad. Or your friends say (laughs) it'll never work. Who cares? Who cares? You don't have to grow up and work in the supermarket. You can do whatever you want. So I chucked in everything. Business was tough anyway. So I closed down my business. I closed down everything, dude. Yeah. And I, did, you know, the, the people at the time, my, my close friends to me at the time and a very, very uh, wonderful lady that I knew, she's passed away now named Julie, who I trusted with my life. And they said, you know what? Go for it. Just do it. And I did. And I, and I never looked back, man. And come and get me was made. It's rough. We, <laughs> sometimes we forgot to put mics on our talent. Uh, <laughs> no. We forgot to point the lights in the right direction. It's dark. It's got bad sound, but you know what? I'll be so proud of that film forever because we did it. We made a feature-length movie, and we got it distributed in America. Yeah, which was a huge thing for a first-time filmmaker to get American distribution, and I self-distributed in Australia. So, mate, I'm proud of it. It it was never a world-beater. Look, if you go into it, man, just going. You know what? It's a dude's first film. He doesn't pretend it. It doesn't pretend it to be, you know, an Oscar-winning film. Just go and have fun and watch it you know, you're going to see, you're going to get entertained because there's some great kills and great practical effects.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that sounds really impressive. You fully just jumped into it with, with no idea on how to do it. And you just went for it. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: one it, of the kills in the film, dude, we, that morning, we had to crush a head and uh, we like, what do we do? Cause we couldn't like Steve could do only a certain amount of stuff that we could raise some sort of budget for. Right. And although yep. Steve helped us very immensely, but we had to make a Silicon head. So, me and the cast and and, and Natalie Stanfield, our makeup artist, all shot back to my house, under the house. We grabbed Jess. We molded her head really quick. Made a quick – so we had talent helping us make a severed head. <laughs> made the head, filled it with plaster and watermelon and bread and strawberries, anything that looked like brain matter, right? <laughs> filled it all in, raced back to set, made the the, the prop called pinhead, which we used for um, beating the head up. All yep. of that in one day, just so we could shatter her head that night. And another scene, just for your audience there, that if you, if you ever get a chance to watch Come and Get Me, it's very, very rare now in Australia to find a copy of it. But if you do, the end kill, we shove a star picket through a chick's head. We didn't even have that head. So that, uh, well after the film had wrapped shooting, my son Kyle was like, I don't know, like eight years old, nine years old, something like that. Yeah. We sat in the backyard uh, sorry, we sat in the shed, made a severed head, put some plumbing pipe in it. Mikey, my editor, was up at the house. We went in the backyard, used torches, whatever we could to light it up. So when you see that star picket go through the mouth, we made all of that in one afternoon in my backyard to make that shot happen. Because we were just going to cut around it. And I'm like, no, I f- don't want to see it get stabbed in the head. You know? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not literally, by the way, uh, listeners, yeah, know, yeah. in the movie. Um, <laughs> so we made the staff everything do ourselves. Like, that's that's just believing in yourself and going, fuck it, I'm just going to make it, you know. And you don't need to be an expert at special effects. I'm not an expert. I mean, I make props, but I'm no expert. I'm no Steve Boyle. I'm no, you know, the, the big stars of the industry, you know, the Tom Savelle. I'm nothing like those guys. I'm very amateur. But, but if you can make a prop and you light it correctly, and throw blood on it, it looks real on camera. It's amazing what you can do. So, again, for your listeners out there, man, look at – I mean, I never studied YouTube tutorials on prop making, but you can. There's plenty of things that you can do. If you want to go out and make a horror movie, you can fuck shit up yourself without needing a big budget.
1: It seems like it's easier now with all these kind of – with YouTube, the ability to just go on YouTube and look up. I I think when you started, you had no idea what you were doing. And (laughs) – did, did you did you study at university? Did you no. do a tertiary or did you just jump straight into it?
0: I, I left school halfway through year 11 to okay. become a trolley pusher. Right? Really? Uh, I was a trolley pusher. Then I got fired for beating up the other trolley pusher. Uh, <laughs> that's a true story, guys. It's a true story. <laughs> oh, my God. We, we don't want to go into that, but it's a true story. Lazy he <laughs> <it> was. Um <laughs> Actually, he was a really, really nice bloke, but he hit the fan that day. But anyway, um, I've, I had no film experience. I mean, let's not forget that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a guy that wrote a novel that didn't even know – that never read a book. I didn't even know how many pages were in a book. I just I, – I, I try to bring my kids up to, to just have a go. yeah, Have a go, you know. Like, if you think you can do it, then have a go. Like, if you fail, don't worry about it. Honest to God, don't worry about it. Who gives a fuck, man? If people out there are going to – who cares? You had a go, because most people, they just sit at their home behind their desk and judge everybody else on the internet, or they've longed so much to do something, but they've listened to the, 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 the bad advice and never done it. So they want to have a crack at you for having a go. It doesn't matter if you fail, just learn from it. Failure yeah, isn't failure if you've learned a
1: lesson. That's super interesting. I think I think a lot a lot more of Australian artists need to, to learn that, that it is. That you do not need to worry about failure, because through failure you learn things, and things can come out of it.
0: Absolutely, man. And I learn a lot from Come and Get Me, which we took into Daddy's Little Girl, and then from there into Charlie's, and so on. You know, so yeah, it, mate, you've got to you've got to trip over. You know what? You know, actually, you've got to fall flat on your face a few times. You have to. You've got to get a thick skin. You've got to deal with people saying that you're shit, your work, yeah. your film you're filmish. You've got to learn to deal with all of that. Because for those that say it's shit, you've got those that love it, love what you do, those that support what you do. And remember that you're doing it for those people, you know. If you're going to make a movie, make a movie that you would enjoy. Make a movie that you would want to watch. Then you know you're going to make a great film. Because if you make a movie that you're going to dislike, then what's the fucking point?
1: It's, It's the way it goes. You can't please everyone, you know. No, you
0: can't, mate. You definitely can't.
1: You and know, you shouldn't try you should no, not try because that's
0: why people throw in the towel they try so hard to please everybody the negativity really breaks them down it hurts them that bad that they keep trying to please the negative people instead of just pleasing the people that want to support you instead of pleasing yourself please yourself first yeah. and then you know the people that support you and love you man they're just going to they're just going to keep wanting to watch your stuff and, and and get behind you so as an artist It doesn't matter if you're a filmmaker, a a drawer, a painter. It doesn't matter. You know, there's always going to be somebody out there that's looking forward to what Griffin Walsh is doing next. Yeah, sure, exactly. And as long as as you do it for them, bro, and mainly yourself first, but then do it for them, you're going to be successful. Success is not measured by how many Facebook likes you have. Success is not measured by how many Facebook friends you have or how many followers you have. It truly isn't. It's measured by how much you smile every day and love what you're doing.
1: Wow, I, I love that.
0: That's, that's it's awesome. true, man. I, I've made four movies, dude. I'm still, I'm, 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 mate, I'm driving, I'll beat up full drive. If mm. I did it for money, I'd be, you know, like, come on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You yeah. know,
0: <laughs> like, I do it because I love, I mean, look, eventually someone's going to have to pay me. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> we, we got to start changing this shit somewhere. But yeah. my point is, dude, I love making film. And, and it's not not I love making horror. I'd love to make different genres as well. But I don't look at my Facebook page and go, oh, wow. There's thirty thousand people on board. Jesus, successful? No, that's there's over a, you know a million people now. Probably a couple of million people that have seen Boar worldwide, hey, but there's only thirty thousand yeah. on Facebook. Like, think about it for a second. Like, you know, Boar was advertised on taxi cabs all over New York.
1: I saw that. That was awesome. Does,
0: yeah. Does that mean that you know? Oh. It should be all over Facebook. No, not everybody wants to go on Facebook and like your page. They just want to watch your movie and get on with life. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, not everybody wants to listen to your podcast and then go and tell everybody about it. They just want to listen to it and go, that was fantastic. Get on with life. Yeah, success is not measured by social media people. You have to learn that. That, you know, there is millions of people out there that are waiting so bad to watch what you're about to make for them. So yeah. don't rely on Facebook likes to, to get people to watch it. Just make great content. And people will come. the old The old movie, mate. If you build it, people come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I just Jason Voorhees in the end of that. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: better Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, I, I love that. You seem so well versed in your your sort of horror paraphernalia and those movies. Did you always have that love for for horror?
0: When I was um a little kid, I don't know what I, what I would have been seven or eight. I can't remember, man. I was very little my brother and I snuck outside of literally of the house and we snuck all the way around because my mum and dad were upstairs watching evil dead. Oh yeah. I had to watch this movie, man. So we snuck it and I watched it through the window (laughs) and I just knew that I just I probably was younger and I just loved it so much. That movie that my mum used to work in a drive-in theater and she would bring home all the horror posters for us. Right. So I would start collecting this. Now I wish I'd had them now. Yeah. These are like classic, Horror movies. That if I had the posters now, I'd probably be rich just from them. But <laughs> wow. I remember that one night, we, I'll never forget it. We lived in this house called Pea's Blossom Street, uh, which is you know over the back of Nambour where I grew up at a Burnside there. And Mum and Dad were out, so me and my brother were home alone. But something happened that scared my brother, who's a lot tougher than me now, mind you. Yep. Scared my brother. We we ended up seeing these posters and started thinking that all these fucking monsters were going to come and kill us. We took off running from our house. Right? <laughs> Went through paddocks to our friend's place like, you know, probably a kilometer or two away and hid there till mum and dad came home. Jeez. And dad was so frustrated that he ripped down all the posters and threw them out. He's like, that's it. You know, no more horror, no more nothing, that's it. But you know what? I grew up just loving horror. Everything <laughs> yeah. about horror. I mean, my mum named me after Christopher Lee who was you know, played Dracula. Yeah, of course. So it's kind of like I was destined to do something in horror. I never said to people I was destined to be a filmmaker, but I was destined to do something with horror. So it's just funny that I've never been scared by a movie ever, but there's one scene that actually makes me uncomfortable to watch. And I've never said this. I don't believe I've ever said this in an interview. So here you go. Here's a little bit of an exclusive for you. Evil Dead, when the girl, the lady sitting in the hallway on the floor, she's got white eyes. And she got this big smile on her face going, we're going to get you. We're... It scares me. It doesn't scare me, but it makes me really fucking
1: comfortable. And that's, the and only that's...
0: scene in a movie that's ever made me uncomfortable.
1: Wow. Okay. thats uh, They must have done a good job then, huh?
0: They must have. And I think also, too, because I watched it when I was such a little kid, huh. sitting outside of a house, knowing that the spirit and evil dead travels outside towards the house, yep. you know, looking through a window at my folks being inside, probably thinking, well, they're going to get fucking possessed in a minute. You know? <laughs> that, um, you know, I guess that one scene just sort of stuck in my head all, all these years later. I can still watch that scene as a grown man making horror movies, knowing that it's all practical, makeup, whatever, and it still makes me uncomfortable watching that one scene.
1: Oh, wow. I love that. Jeez. <laughs> so there you go. There's a bit of an exclusive for you. Like, when, when you were first making... Your films, you obviously would have come across a lot of roadblocks. There were a lot of negativity from other people, but other than people putting you down, what were some of the biggest roadblocks you had to face in making that first movie?
0: Oh, look, financial always. Um, you know, you got to look at things and go, "Well, we still got to you know, borrow some lights or rent some lights." I think that my first movie actually everybody was was open arms, like everybody was supportive of the, of the first. You know, obviously, people get a little bit freaked out, you know, because you you had a business that wasn't doing too good. I need to add that things were getting really tough. Yeah. The horror shop on the sunny coast is very hit and miss. You know what I mean? It's not like you're going to make a, a lot of money. And I used to have a motorcycle business and it just, things got really tough. So I think that, you know, getting up each day, knowing that, and you know, it's like, it's like now, dude, I mean, it hasn't changed. It's like, if you're a filmmaker in this country and you don't have a nine to five job, you're
1: fucked. Yeah. Right. Right. It's right.
0: If you're an artist, in this country that doesn't have a nine-to-five job to pay the bills, you're going to be in a world of hurt if you're not you know, getting your, your pictures out there and seeing big returns. And I can tell you right now that it's all a myth where people think that you make a movie and all of a sudden you've made $100,000 a, a or even a million dollars. It's a myth. So yeah. that, that doing the first movie, Champ, was actually the easiest one to do. It was actually the easiest one to do because everybody was so passionate. Everybody was so excited to be there. Even though we were some nights just having chip sandwiches, everybody was just there because they were passionate about wanting to make a film. It's when you start putting bigger crews and bigger dollar signs and stuff around stuff that it gets messy. It gets harder to deal with, you know. But when it's just, you know, 20 people all coming together saying, fuck yeah, let's go and kill some people tonight. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and we'll film that shit. It's so much fun. Like, I remember one night we had to shoot a scene where the killers beat up this guy on the side of the road and then throw him in a car, yeah. right? So we're on the side of the road down at, you know, the at forest glen there. Cars are driving past us. We're filming this brawl on the side of the road. Oh, like, no. Turn, police even turned up. It turns out the guy that we're filming in the film getting beat up is actually a cop, right? So <laughs> oh, everything. No. Everything is it was a great night. So then halfway through the night, I take off to my mum's place, steal a cheesecake out of her fridge and go back down. And And I'm just chewing on a cheesecake on the side of the road while we're all eating cheeseburgers from Macca's and all sorts of shit. My point is that I can't remember exactly what everyone was eating, but it was just so much fun. You know, it's like, it, it was so much fun. And movie making is still fun. It's still an amazing, fun thing to do. What I'm saying is that you get more blocks the bigger you get. You know, you yes. get more negativity the bigger you get. Uh, and also, too, the bigger you get, you think you can shoot more because, you you know, you say, oh, I can do this. But then you realize you can't, you know?
1: Yeah, so right,
0: right. Early stages, again, for your listeners out there, it's all about fun when you learn. And that's the best way to learn, man. You can do all the study in the world. There's, It's no different to when, you, you know, it's like going to the police academy, I guess, and you do all the study and, and you learn to be a policeman. Then you get on the street and now you're in front of some really – drunk violent people you know like how do you deal with that you got to be you got to live it to learn it so yeah like you can they can teach you all they want in film school when you get on set it's all going to change you know the basics are going to be there but you're gonna you know everything you know so your first movie is just about having fun you're gonna f up you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna not mic up on the right time or or forget to record set whatever it is doesn't matter just make the damn movie and have fun yeah right right because as you get bigger you know, you start to get known on social media now because you got to market yourself. And that's the other thing. Don't be afraid to market yourself, you know, and that starts to bring negativity. That starts to bring haters, dislikers, whatever, because now, I mean, let's face it. Can you name many independent horror directors yourself, Griffin? Like, do you know the no. names of independent directors? Not at all. No. So when an independent horror director like Chris Sun starts to get a name, people forget that he's indie. You know, he's not a studio director. I don't I don't get big budgeted films or big stuff, you know. So I've I've had to market myself a lot so people start to know who Chris Sun is, or at least what his films are, you know, who his films yeah. are. So that will start bringing negativity and, and people start to they just don't like you. Or, you know, some people love you but other people go, ah, he's a dick you know. <laughs> 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 yeah, and you know yeah. what? Like they're cool, they're cool. Like but yeah. my point is that once you start to market yourself and you get bigger, that's when you start to get blocked. You start to to doubt yourself as well you know am i doing the right thing and you know should i be making movies or whatever it is so just keep believing in yourself and and take the good with the bad because it's all part of the job
1: you know if that mm. makes
0: sense it doesn't you, you, you know the, the, when you first start out man everybody's passionate it might take you six months to make the film but you'll make it you know but as you get bigger that's when you'll start to get bigger roadblocks because your bills will get bigger everything gets bigger
1: yeah I'd, I'd like to touch on you um these insecurities that come up when when you start to doubt yourself, have you found a way to to be able to move past them, or is it just to ignore them completely and just push on?
0: Look, you do. You know, it's easy, like it's really easy for someone to say to you, you know, just ignore it, dude. It'll be all right, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff. Because some people just don't stop. Yeah. You know, some people will go on social media and they will just keep slagging, and you'll block them from the page, and they'll just set up it just because I don't know why. It's like they popped it bad or something. I don't know what it is, but they just I don't. I don't get that anymore. But you know, like I've had, I had a lady over in WA want to chain me up in her shed and keep me as a pet. Jesus. Right. I had her sister reach out to me because this lady was nuts. And some and that was after come and get me, mate. Wow. That was after my first film. Yeah. You know, I've had people go on there and just absolutely just rag on the films. I don't really rag on you. They rag on the films.
1: But that, that hurts you directly because it's your film.
0: Yes and no. It did at the start, but it doesn't anymore because that's when I start. I don't know if you've ever seen the way I re- react with people on social media, bro. But when people go on so, let's use "Bore" as an example, my last film. So yep. if somebody goes in there and says, this is the worst acting, the worst shit film I've ever seen. I always comment back with nothing but love and support for them. And so I, I thank them for checking out the film anyway. I said, look, I'm sorry it wasn't for you, champ. Cheers for checking it out, man. We do appreciate your feedback. Now, this one guy went on our page one day to literally, he must have had a bad day. I commented pretty much with what I said. This chap turned out to be such an amazing guy. He wrote back and said, look, I'm really sorry, man. I should not have wrote what I wrote. You know, that was disrespectful to you and the cast. The movie wasn't that bad. I just didn't like the CGI pigs at the start. So you think about this for a second, Griffin. This man watched a movie and didn't like one scene of yep. CGI pigs. He enjoyed the acting; he thought it was funny. He enjoyed the kills; he thought they were great. But his initial comment was, "Your movie, the whole movie was shit.
1: Jesus, just because of those pigs at the start
0: of because the film? Because, which I don't like those CGI pigs. You know what I mean? But hey, it's a fucking independent film, guys. You know, like whatever. But my point being is that you will get people that will go out of their way that don't like something that are just so they've got they've, some of these people have got genuine sad stuff happening at home and yeah. they're angry mate they just want to vent somewhere so they're like oh fuck it. i'm gonna vent on the board page because it's because i can or, or, or on another other films page. i've seen big films amazing films that have got some of the most disgusting reviews you've ever read wow. and it's like really like why do you have to go online to do that so to go back to your question though champ is how do you get past it mm. you know what i read all the reviews I, I don't care i like to read them, negative or positive because sometimes a negative review can actually teach you something. Sometimes it can. So you know, but you've got to get a thick skin because if they say that director can't direct shit, you know what? That's their opinion. Yeah. But it still means that you can direct. You're a brilliant director or you're a great actor or you're a great musician. Just because they don't like your music doesn't mean you're not good.
1: You can't right? let it bring you down. Yeah. You
0: can't let it bring you down, man. You just got to chin up. Some days you don't you you're not going to want to get out of bed. I mean, look, it's no secret that I suffer from major anxiety. Everybody knows that. Even at my own premieres, I always have to sneak out and get away from people. I can't do crowds. My anxiety levels are absolutely huge. Everybody knows that. When people used to say negative stuff, we're going back, come and get me, you know, early day. I would literally, my anxiety would kick in. I would think, Jesus, I'm I'm making a mistake. I need to go get a normal job. All this stuff, I'm terrible at this. Yeah, I do. There were some days where it was really, really bad. Then I realized, hang on a minute here. I'm never going to meet this person. Then they're, they're probably never going to watch anything. Like who cares? Who cares what they say, Chris, like, you know, get up and, and, and and make another movie, mate, get up and keep going, keep moving forward. And that's Uh all I did. I mean, it's the thing. The thing is, man, you said it earlier, bro. You can't keep everybody happy. You can't make everybody happy. And if you try to do that, you're only going to end up bringing yourself down so bad that you're sad things could happen. I don't know. So you just got to say, I'm going to, you know, water off a duck's back i'm going to keep going because you know i mean i the latest reviews on board are phenomenal coming out of america absolutely phenomenal tens and eights i don't believe any movie's worth a 10 i don't really like it when people vote tens and stuff like that i've never would never say a movie's a 10 out of 10 or maybe yeah, right evil death yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um but my point is that you you might get three good reviews you might get three bad reviews but then the good ones will come you know yeah. and vice versa so people out there like Yeah, man, it's water off a duck's back. It's hard at the start. Deal with it, though. And by the way, don't ever comment back. If somebody does a bad review on your page, don't comment back being all pissed off and carry on because you look like a total dick. You just either don't comment at all or thank them. Because, guys, remember, these people still reach into their pocket unless they're pirates. Then they have no right to fucking slam your work. But... If somebody reaches into their pocket, man, and pays $16 or $20 or even $5 to rent your movie, they have a right to like it or not like it. But always, if it's on social media, be the bigger person and thank them for taking the time to watch your show. So think of it like that, man, that these people are putting their hard-earned cash into supporting you, even though you think they hate you. Yep. they
1: are actually supporting what you do. So so I'm, I'm interested in... Um... In your take on sort of the Australian film industry, and if you, if you as a as a director and writer f- find it necessary to go abroad, do you find it? Do you think you want to do more work over in America because Australia doesn't really have the industry for you here?
0: All right. So the Australian film industry, I think, is starting to boom. I think that there's a lot of, I mean, mate, I'm I'm small fry to some of these, you know, up and coming directors that are coming out now. There's yeah, some fantastic female and male directors in the horror world. Look, Australia's starting to burn. There's a lot of work here. The hard part is the cinemas don't support enough Australian content. The, you, you make a movie, you can't get it screened anywhere. You know, if they supported, if the cinemas had some sort of system, whereas indie filmmakers in this country or just Aussie filmmakers make content, the cinemas need to start giving us a fair share, mate, because we would actually, our investors would start making money back. That's interesting. You know? So the hard part is you go out and you make this content. Most of it goes straight to DVD. No one's making any money, mate, because you've got sales agents all got capped marketing fees and everything up front before you see any money from them and distributors and so on. So for the Australian industry to really explode and more and more people can make money and earn a living, which means they can pay their crews, they can pay for special effects, they can pay all this stuff without you know struggling all the time to find financiers we just need some theatrical releases now not all movies are going to make money in the theaters i know that i know that but wouldn't it be a you know a, a fantastic thing for the australian for australian you know cinemas and screen australia to say you know what no fuck it these are aussie made films we need to be putting them up on the big screen for the aussies to choose whether they want to watch it or not yeah you know boar would have done amazing things if we could have got it on proper cinema release in australia would have yeah. done amazing things huge on Foxtel like boar was the fifth best-selling horror film in Australia for 2018. It beats studio films, man, like big, budgeted $30 million films. I got the list there, what it beat. What's sad about that is that that's only DVD sales and and rentals, man. Imagine if we would got the opportunity to be on cinema screens. People would have went to – I mean, who doesn't want to see a big pig fucking people up? That's
1: you know, pretty
0: good. <laughs> like everyone wants to see that. Everybody everybody loves monster films. You know, it's just, you go have fun for an hour and a half and mm. watch a monster kill stuff. So the Australian film industry is amazing, but but there is a lot more opportunity for directors, if you will, to make money, I believe, if it's my opinion, I could be wrong, but to make money uh, offshore, overseas, like America and stuff like that. Yeah, you can go over there. I mean, There's so many movies being punched out of America, independent films, every month. There's movies being made constantly and stuff like that. They've got the same struggles that we have. I mean, people are silly if they think they don't. Once you start climbing up the ladder, you start to get noticed more. And you can, you know, now go over there and go, well, I've done X. This is the stats. This is it. And you start to get taken a little bit more serious. So there's a lot of fantastic Australian directors that are now making pictures in the United States, man, because they're making money. They just get to make, you know, do what they do what they love but get paid to do it. So the Australian industry is fine. You know, Screen Australia, they're all they're all there trying to make content, mate. They all want to make content. I just think that the cinemas of this country need to start supporting Australian content. Okay. They really do, man. They need to step up. Like it shouldn't be hard to have a film distributed by Universal Pictures Australia to get that on a bloody on a cinema screen. Of but course. they're like, oh well, you know, we can get this hundred million dollar movie and we're gonna play it. Because look fair enough, it's they're guaranteed getting in a box office. But mate, they could still put bloody bore on at three o'clock in the morning. I don't know. Like I don't know. But it I'm just, just saying something. that yeah, yeah, they need to support more. So that that is my only gripe now with the Australian film industry, is the cinemas. Everybody okay. else, man, is really stepping up. People man, people are just so passionate right now about making film. And then, like, that's the independent side. Then you start to get a little bit bigger and a bit bigger. So there's different categories of filmmaking in this country. You know, everybody just wants to make content right now, dude. So I think that the industry is starting to boom. I just don't see it financially booming. You know, Mm. that's the problem. I see the people are making these films and they're they're, they're praying that everybody's now got this thing in their head, whereas if we go to the AFM, we're going to sell our movie. (laughs) It's not as easy as that, guys. It's not as easy as that. Or I see a lot of people posting now that, oh, my film's playing at Cannes, so they get a 100 likes. What people don't realise is that it's not playing in Cannes, <laughs> right? Yeah. There's a little side things that go on at the Cannes Film Festival. Your movie's not in Cannes, your little indie film. You're just telling people it is, but it's uh, not. Your distributor, your sales team has got a little bloody side thing going over here, and your movie's going to screen in a little room over there, and some people are going to watch it. If your film has been officially selected into the Cannes film festival you would have the wreath to go with it yeah you know what i mean so a lot of people are trying to put stuff out there to try and big note themselves and they don't have to you don't have to do that man there's plenty of ways to sell your picture and that is including Khan, afm all those places there's plenty of ways to get your your content i mean now self-distribution is going to become a thing in the next Mm. 10 years more and more people will self-distribute because of all the streaming services now. Yeah, of course. Of You're course. cutting out middlemen, mate. You're just going, well, no more sales agent. I'm just going to self-distribute. Again, though, it's a hard slog. Again, people think that, oh, I've got my movie on Amazon Prime and then they spend the next six, six months trying to share it to the 6,000 fans they got on Facebook because mm. they have no marketing budget to market yeah. that film on Amazon Prime. So these are all things that people forget. Again, if you go back and we get support from the cinemas in Australia, all that kind of stuff, to help try and see filmmakers start earning some box office, I believe the industry will literally start to boom because more indie filmmakers will make money, more indie investors will get their money back, which means they'll reinvest into more projects. If that's happening, that's more content being made, more more people getting jobs, more, more actors getting work, more films being sent overseas now showing America, Asia, all the different countries how fucking awesome Australian
1: films yes. are. Uh, so I also I also wanted to ask you I think wanna perhaps do something different than horror for um for later projects Why why do you want to switch from horror Is it is it a need to do different horizons or is it Are you getting a little bit stale with horror or or what is it
0: Um, it's um, I'll never get stale from horror, dude. Like I absolutely love horror. You know, like there's a, a few. Talks about to begin for Boar Two. There's talks with another company for my other script that I'm working on, House for Rent. The, the, the horror side for me, there's you know, a couple of things that were pitched overseas. I don't know what's going to happen with them yet. It's not about being star. When I made Daddy's Little Girl, my second film, ninety percent of Daddy's Little Girl, well, the first hour of Daddy's Little Girl is all drama. It's all like a little girl and a dad. The little girl goes, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's no horror mm-hmm. till we we get the last forty minutes. Yeah. So that for me. It's still one of my favorite films that I've ever made because I learned so much as a director. It wasn't just about blood and guts. I learned that I have to tell a story. I have to mm. show emotions. I have to show a little girl you know, with a dad. Excuse me, I have to show a father responding to his little girl that she's just seen brutally, you know, found her body brutally murdered. All mm. these things you, you have to, you know, you can put in a script and you can make people py- cry with a script. But if you fuck it up on film, that's it, it's done. And, yeah. you know, people just watching, yeah, no, they didn't hit the mark. I remember after the premiere of Daddy's Little Girl, that was the longest standing ovation I've ever had for any of my films. Wow. I'm surprised I got one for Come and Get Me. But I remember that people come up after the fact with tears in their eyes and hugged me because they found the movie to be so powerful. Mm. And that's when I thought to myself, you know what? I think maybe I am a director. Maybe, Maybe I'm getting better now because I learned something. So for me, I'd like to do some different genres. I've always wanted to do a kids film, like a horror goonies style movie, but it's horror.
1: Um, <laughs> yes, I would love that.
0: Well, I think you'd be great, like an adventure film that's full of fucking horror. But now you look at like things like Stranger Things and stuff, you know, people might think that you're you're taking it from that, but no, like an actual map thing, but there's you know monsters and zombies and I don't know Charlie, who yeah. knows? But you yeah, know, <laughs> fucking horror. Um, so for me though. I just want to become a great director one day. And I'm not saying Spielberg level or, or any of that, man. That's yeah. I've never, ever thought I'm bigger than I am. I would just like people, when, when, when I finally go, they go, you know what? That, that motherfucker made some great content. He made some mm. fun films, some good films. He made a random TV show. And did you know he even wrote a book? Well, yeah, I know. I love my that. Kids, <laughs> my kids, man, will be able to sit there with my grandchildren one day and go, you know what? Your grandfather never fucking gave up. He just tried everything. And he, and some things he was really, really good at and some things he was fucking shit at, you know, but yeah, yeah. he taught us to believe in ourselves. And, and mate, if I can do that, do them. happy days, you know? So I definitely want to try different genres, maybe not yet. If someone came to me and said, dude, i got a drama film. We've got financing. We'd like to pay you. <laughs> would you like to direct it? I would say, no, man, I in. I yeah, would love to do something different, you know, but as long as somewhere throughout that, there can be a little bit of blood, you know, happy <laughs> days.
1: So also when it comes to producing these big films, um, something, something that you did in Ball was get some crazy talent. And so I was just wondering how you managed to secure names um, like Nathan Jones or, or, um, or Simone Buchanan or John Jarrett yep. and, and so many of the others. How did you manage to reach out to them and secure them in your movie?
0: All right. Well, I mean, Nathan and I go way back. So that, it was, you know, I, I always had sort of written a part for Big Nathan there anyway. But people like Simon, John, well, I'd never worked with any of those people before. Yeah. So when I wrote the script, like, say, as an example, Ernie Dingo's character in the film is named Ernie. I write <laughs> it specifically for Ernie Dingo. Like, that was it. That's, this is going to be Ernie Dingo's role. Then when I went to the producer, Chris Merrick, and I gave her this list of all the actors that I want, and she just said to me, oh my f- God. This is so ambitious. Like, are you serious? Mm. And I'm like, yep, that's all the people I want. I want all those people in this film. And she said, okay, if that's what you want, you know, we'll go and make it happen. Now, I need people to understand that it's not like actors have got agents. Agents have got a job. And the agent's job is to try and get the actor paid as much as possible, right? That's their job. You can't disrespect them for that. Mm. But one cool thing about being an Aussie film, Aussie actors, Aussie agents, all that sort of stuff, is everybody works together. And you know what? They read the script. They love the script. They're like, I want to be a part of this. They just went, you know what? I want to come in and I want to get chased by a big pig. Or Some of them even said to me, like I remember Roger Ward, who's a wonderful, wonderful man. He said to me, Chris, he goes, hey, baby, Chris, baby. <laughs> you know, I've heard about you, baby, and I wanted to work with you. for so- And that touched me so bad, dude, because, I mean, he was in the original Mad Max, you know? He was, yeah. he was that guy. And he said to me on the phone, I've known about you for a long time, and I wanted to work with you, and now I get to do it. And, dude, I was like, "Fucking wow. Like, this is Roger Ward. To me, he was like talking to fucking Tom Cruise. You know? It was Roger Ward. Like, what an honour. What a cool thing to have people like that want to you know, be so honoured to work with this up-and-coming indie guy, you know? Yeah. like, So, dude, it was not hard. You know, people say to me, how did you get Tara Reade? you know, for Charlie's Fun? It was very simple. I rang her agent and said, I emailed her agent first, said, I want to get Tara Reid. He said, this is a true story. He wrote back and said, it will cost you this much. I wrote back, LOL. <laughs> right? <True story. laughs> I thought he was joking. I thought he was joking. It turns out he was. He was just testing the waters, mate. You know? uh, <laughs> I, exactly. I see. Yeah. He was a wonderful guy. His name was Nathan, a wonderful agent. And he said, you know what? Talk to Tara. And that's what he did, mate. Like, all I did was send an email. And next thing you know, I'm having a FaceTime with Tara Reid. And we became wow. friends. She's like, dude, I want to be in your movie. Like, it's really that easy for your listeners out there. Guys, just, just, just ask. Just say, hey, Johnny Jarrett, would you be interested in being yeah. in my film? You know, yeah, you got to pay for that to have these people. If you're doing a, a really rough indie film, get some up and coming actors and make your first film. But if you've got some money that you got to offer it, you know, because these guys, they're going to help sell your product. So yeah. it really is just about asking, man. It's like saying, you know what? I want to try and get Brad Pitt. Like, who says you can't? What? Imagine, imagine if you've got such a good script that you send and Brad Pitt's agent's like sitting there going, (laughs) whatever. He's like, send me the script. So you send the script and all of a sudden, this is a brilliant script. Yeah. Movies are made from just a great script, man. Like John Jarrett says it best. What's, what do you need to make a movie? A script, a script, a script. That's it. (laughs) That's what John Jarrett says. So, Mate, don't be afraid. Just It's easy to get their emails, mate. Get IMDb Pro. You can reach out to management agents. Now, a lot of people don't take unsolicited emails. So what do you do there? Pick up the phone first.
1: Yeah, Pick right.
0: Phone. Don't be afraid. Get some Skype credit because it's cheaper. And call the office in California or Beverly Hills or wherever it is. Call them and tell them who you are. Ask to speak to the agent. And if they say, no, guys, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you're going to get bigger. And one yeah. day they're going to go, hey, if I remember Griffin Walsh, hey, 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 talk to us. That's what's happened with me, guys. There's so many agents now and management that will easily look at any projects that I'm working on now because of what I've done and yeah. how hard I've worked. You know, financially it's done nothing for me, but for career-wise it's done immensely for me. So okay. don't be afraid to pick up the phone and just ring agents and ring them up and you know, or try. Oh, don't be one of those people that tag people on fucking social media trying to get their attention.
1: Oh, God. Don't do
0: that, man. Like, people do that to me. I've had this guy inboxing me on Instagram. I finally blocked him because he just kept inboxing me wanting to be in a movie, wanting to be an actor. And so I even wrote to him so politely, man, saying, look, champ, I've got nothing right now. Please, you need to stop. You know, and then he's like, oh, can you follow me back? You know, I really want to be in your movies, Chris. So then yesterday he wrote me saying, you know, why are you being such an asshole to me? I just want to act. It's a career. Oh, my he called God. me an asshole, dude. He called me an asshole. And I have can screenshot and show you how polite I was to this chap. Yeah. And I just wrote back and said, mate, I have nothing for you. Please leave me alone. Yep. And he wrote back, oh, fair enough. I've done nothing wrong here. Yeah. I'm not even good at Instagram, you know. like (laughs) I don't know how this works. So, guys, my advice is don't do that. Mm. Don't do that. Follow them. Like them. Support them. Comment. They will start to see you. You know, they will start to see you. Then if you go to their agent or follow them on Facebook and, And just be there, but don't be an inbox stalker. Don't Don't do that, man. Like, I mean, if an indie, imagine me, an indie guy getting it, imagine what the big people would get.
1: It'd be insane, wouldn't it? Yeah.
0: Now, imagine what their agents would get as
1: well, you know? Yeah.
0: So that's why unsolicited is not good. So, guys, my advice is, you know, like, email, always be professional, have a letterhead, do it nice, do it, you know, make it it look like you. My missus likes to say, fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. So don't put you as in just the letter U put why are Y-O-U, you know, like, don't, don't, don't do what Chris does. Do it later. But, yeah, um, yeah. like, guys, I, I, I responded to an email from Discovery Channel the other day, and I yeah. can't believe what I said. It was after the fact, because they haven't written back to me yet. Right? But And I think it's because I wrote, this is the line that I wrote, to that one of the big people at Discovery that was interested in my show. And I wrote to him and said, there's nothing better than watching celebrities shit themselves on camera. <laughs> Now, oh my God. with a smiley face at the end of it. Now, I don't know what that chap from Discovery truly thought about that line in the email because it hasn't written back yet. But my point is that, you know what, like, so they got to take it for what it is. But don't do that yeah, with, yeah. if it's your first time reaching out to yeah. uh, you know, a distributor or, or, or an agent or something like that. Like, try and be as pro as you can. And The other thing is, though, it's kind of funny. When I went to the American film market, the, I, only, I went there in 2013. They nicknamed me the wildlife of the AFM. I would walk around in a pair of thong shorts and a T-shirt with my <laughs> iPad while everybody else was wearing laptops and suits and yeah. being fancy. You've got me, Alira, and Dom. You know, the, Alira was in a couple of my films, Charlie's Farm, um, Daddy's Little Girl, etc. And Dom was a producer of the films uh, and come and get me. So we're at the AFM and I'm walking around, dude. In my thongs, my shorts, and my T-shirt, having ciggies outside with Sam Williamson from Dust till dawn, and just running amok, mate. Yeah. And I would go in, and I remember meeting some big bosses of big studios. And the thing that I learned is most people will go to the AFM with laptops and look all pro, right? Yeah. And then it takes them a minute to boot up their laptop, two minutes, sometimes three minutes, and they got to open up the window and show these people, right? I would cruise around with my my iPad in my hand, swipe to open and go, check out this torture scene, mate. And just go, (laughs) it was instant. It was instant. There was no waiting. And people would, they had so much time to just have fun with me and look at what I was doing rather than go, okay, this is awkward. Is your laptop going to boot up? You only got 15 minutes to be here. So we have passes to every level of the AFM, dude. I even, this is a true story. We left me, Dom, and Alira left the AFM to go get lunch at McDonald's. All these people in suits walking around. It's on Santa Monica Boulevard, right, at the pier. i yeah. walk across the road. There's two homeless men punching on at the front of McDonald's. So I'm like, man, I'm hungry. So I end up getting in the middle of a big punch-up. <laughs> like, this is a true story. It's a true story. In the middle of this big punch-up with all these film people going, what the f*** is he doing? Because you know? yeah, yeah. I wanted to go to Macca's, mate. So... I think that just be yourself, you know, uh, you know, I mean, here I'm saying don't send smiley faces at the end of letters, but, you know, yeah. it's like just be yourself, be who you are, and and just don't quit, you know? Yeah, of course. If, if it gets to the, the point in your life where you're like, you know what, this isn't working, I, I can't earn a living from it or stuff like that, but you've given everything you've got, then you know what, you didn't fail, dude, just go go get a job for now, earn some income, do whatever. You didn't fail. Yeah. You've, you've made content, you made a film or you made a, you wrote a song and released it, whatever it is, you didn't fail. You just realize you got to pay the bills. Yeah.
1: You
0: know? yeah. Cause eventually it, it will change. You know, I've filmed, my film career has been one heck of a journey, man, with a lot of severe, severe lows and sad times and yeah. amazing, amazing highs, you know? So I'm proud of that, man. And if, if one, one of your listeners, funny, one of your listeners gets inspired, says, you, I'm going to go out and make a movie, man. Then mate, go for it. That's, that's what it's all
1: about. That's what we're all done. here for. So now, uh, I understand um, you have another project in the works, the the Dark Side Down Under. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Right. So after Boar, I decided, look, I need a year or two off from directing films.
1: <laughs> yeah, it just killed you a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: just killed me a little bit, you know, in, in more ways than people can imagine. But I decided that I wanted to do something fun. Now, I've never been good in front of the camera. I've always been behind the camera. So I think... Wow. We decided that, you know, it'd be fun to do like a little kind of paranormal show, but not like your normal shit where it's some dude with a psychic and you're in a haunted house and you're like, oh, something just pinched me on the bum. Oh, I'm scared. Yeah. And the psychic starts <laughs> crying and you yeah. lie to people on camera and say this happened. Either let's go and get drag queens and go to the most haunted jail in the country and, and for drag queens. Or let's get a gay international supermodel and go in the middle of the bush and try and find a Yowie. Or What? That's, <laughs> oh, dude, some of the stuff that we have done you've never seen before, ever. It's like I wanted to do a show that was just like this indie horror director with celebrities or just random people or sometimes by myself, you know, at locations going, is it fucking real? Now, everybody knows that I, if I, I I do special effects, man, if I wanted to make a Bigfoot, we can make a Bigfoot, right? Yeah. But I'm thinking, f*** that. Let's go see if it's actually real. So nothing in the show is fake. There's no special effects. There's nothing. If, if something actually happens, dude, something really happens. Like that's it. So the, I've got footage of where I locked two drag queens in a jail cell with a with a guy with it with a boom, right, with a microphone. Oh, oh no! And, <laughs> and all they had was a, a handheld camera, a little Sony camera with night vision on it, right? Yeah. Dude, something spoke to them. They actually not only captured it on camera, the sand, the voices, but they heard it with their own ears. Wow. Now this boy, there's two voices, in then. We locked him in a, a rapist cell. The rapist is dead, of course, but oh, in this God. old jail. We locked so two drag queens in this cell and you hear this voice say, You're gonna die and then the second voice says, Fucking eat me.
1: Jesus.
0: Now that's only part of what happened. Now we what like, you can if you listen closely, you can hear me, stupid me. We all know the real quiet on set. Yeah. You can hear me down the hallway. I'm nowhere near the door. No one's there. These people three people heard it in the in the locked cell with them. We locked yeah. it in the cell and walked away, dude. There was no one else there. So the paranormal exists. Ghosts exist. All this stuff exists, but I just want to do it from a from a different point of view, mate. You see me in the jail with drag queens in the shower scene. <laughs> no not a uh, we're gonna go back a second here. Not in the shower, shower, having a shower. But like what I'm saying is people will have a lot of fun. Straight dudes that would normally not watch say RuPaul's drag Race, are gonna watch this because it's just fucking funny.
1: That sounds awesome. I'd love to watch that.
0: We take Bachelorette people into fucking haunted asylums and all sorts of random stuff. And as I said, sometimes it's just me running amok, dude. So, yeah, it's a. I don't know where the show's going to end up yet because, as I said, like you know, we've had many different networks interested in the show. Yeah. But when we came up with the concept, dude, we designed it for YouTube. We designed it just to be a fun YouTube show. Like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah web Facebook, watch those kind of things, you know? Yeah. Um, we can just put it out there, like 12 episodes, 20-minute episodes, and done. You know, happy days. Let people have some fun. So, because not everybody's got Foxtel. Not everybody's got, you know, whatever. Yeah. So if we just put on YouTube, anybody can log on on a Thursday night and have a watch. You know, and I still may go that route, you know, because, look, I don't want to edit it. I don't yeah. want to clean it up for, you know, a certain platform. I want it to be true, raw, for some um, crap, you know. Okay. Like, just watch yeah. it, just have fun watching it. Obviously, we will mute the swearing on YouTube, <laughs> but have a, have a link that you can go to to watch, the full swearing versions.
1: So, yeah yeah um, yeah
0: i mean dude i i like you're interviewing me right now i went and met the guy that owns australia's most haunted doll oh, yeah. And i said to him mate this is fantastic do you mind if i put some microphones on your doll and interview the boss so i sit <laughs> down and interview a doll on camera and you'd be surprised what comes through uh, on the ghost hunting equipment when the doll starts answering questions it's pretty funny I think that yeah, you know, again, like it's just a fun show, dude. It was never meant to be some big box office world-beater show. It's just, you know what? Spend a year or two having fun. It's becoming, yeah. You know, so many people know about the show now and are waiting for it. So I think it's going to do great things, no matter where it goes.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think you can find that on Facebook, and the trailer releases March the fifth. Yeah, um, yeah, March fifth. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so that's really cool. So, um, a final question, and this is the question that I ask all the people I interview. If you could give advice to your younger self, what would you say?
0: Give advice to my younger self.
1: Yeah. Uh, What would I say?
0: Actually, you know what I would? Yeah. All right. I would actually tell my younger self to become a writer. I think that it's something that I'm actually really good at, way better than a director. I think I'm a really good writer and I think that I don't write enough. So if I could go back in time, because the only thing I ever wrote was, as I said, grade one or two was called *The Killer Worms*, and I pretty much just become an arsehole of a student for the rest of my life. Um, so yeah, if I could go back in time, I would tell myself, "Dude, write, 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 write." You've got a talent for writing, so that's what I would do, man. Yeah, definitely. Maybe I could be someone like Stephen King, I, and maybe I still will. You know, I love writing. Um, I just need time to do it, and I think that I, because of, you know, the stuff that goes on in my head sometimes, I think that I'm very. I have a great imagination, a phenomenal imagination. So I think that, who knows, maybe I'll end up chucking in the directing tower one day and just writing books. I, I think I had so much fun writing my novel, Ed, so much fun doing it. I, I could I could spend the rest of my life writing books if, if I could. If it would pay my bills, I, I could do that, dude. And that's talking from the heart. I've never said this to anybody. Uh, so that's a really interesting question. Uh, yeah, I would go back and I would just write as much stories as I can.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I can't wait to uh to read Chris' novels in in the couple of decades. Sounds like a good plan.
0: Well, fucking, I hope so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, that's uh thank you so much for your time, Chris, and thank you for coming along and doing this. I I really appreciate it, and having having your knowledge um on everything is is really helpful, and it's taught me a lot actually.
0: That's good, mate. As, long, as you know, as long as the people out there, are, you know, get something out of it, mate, you know, happy days. But...
1: Yeah, and that's and that's what we're trying to do here. Exactly that. So that was my interview with Chris Sun. I hope you enjoyed his insights into indie filmmaking. I certainly did. His stories were quite entertaining, to say the least, and he is certainly not ashamed of his very own spectacular journey. Uh, it was definitely a pleasure to have his inclusion on this podcast, and I thank him for that. And I'm actually really excited for The Dark Side Down Under to be released. If you haven't realised already, uh, it is past March the 5th, uh, so the trailer has been released. You could find it on YouTube or Facebook. Just look up The Dark Side Down Under and you'll be able to find it from there. Um, And once again, thank you, Chris, for letting me interview you. If you wish to get in contact with the podcast to either give feedback or you wish to be interviewed or know someone I should interview, go to either the Facebook page or send an email to anactorandamike at gmail.com. If you'd also like to send questions you have for me, I'll be answering some of them during this section of the podcast. I really would like to start that up so I can get a little bit more interactive with you guys. Uh, So next week, I change tacks and art styles. I'm interviewing Earl Marrows. He's a musician, a musical theatre composer, and his journey has taken him from Melbourne all the way across the ocean and to study in New York. And that's all coming up in episode four of An Actor and a Mic. Hope you're all staying safe and self-isolating, and while in that self-isolation, keep making art and being spectacular.